Hello and welcome to the Go Gamecocks podcast presented by the State Newspaper. I'm your host, Greg Hadley, and I am joined by my fellow football beat reporter, Ben Briner. Ben, we've been meaning to record a podcast for a little while now, but we kept on putting it off because we kept on thinking South Carolina football would finally name its starting quarterback. And we're here and they still haven't done it yet. Nope, they did not. It's sort of interesting, looking back to last year, I think I've mentioned this in a couple articles, but I want to say it was the Sunday after the final scrimmage last season that the backup quarterback spot got shaken out, and that competition was a little different than this one, though it definitely had kind of a leader throughout, and it has seemed through most of this one like Colin Hill was probably the guy, so it definitely is interesting that they didn't want to pull the trigger today and said their decision-making process could extend into Monday, maybe past Tuesday's practice, which, you know, maybe that means a decision Tuesday night, maybe a decision Wednesday morning. Right, so back it out. We're we're about two weeks from the start of the football season. They're starting to prep for Tennessee, who they play on September 26th. I, I believe Coach Muschamp said they're, they're really going to start installing the game plan on Thursday. Thursday, Thursday is going to be kind of when they, they take that that first step into it, which kind of makes sense because they do sort of an abbreviated game week that leads into the regular game week. They, they tend to do chunks of, I think, three practices and then a walkthrough. So that might be about what we'll see. But yes, it's kind of interesting that the QB battle sort of is still raging because we have, you know, they have a lot of evidence. They have a lot of information. And Muschamp was asked if there's anything specific he wants to look for in this last little run. And he just said, the totality of the competition, which, you know, in theory should uh, should mostly be total at this point. Well, you mentioned a fact that we've talked about on this podcast before, and if anyone who follows South Carolina football has probably seen this, is that Colin Hill has generally been tipped to be the leader in this competition, uh, supplanting last year's starter Ryan Helinski. And that's been something that's been kind of building throughout most of camp, just given his familiarity with offensive coordinator Mike Bobo's system and a lot of people talking about his NFL-type arm, that kind of thing. But as you said, we are still talking about it. They've got a lot of data, practice, tape to look through. So in that sense, would you consider it a good sign for Ryan Helinski that you know they're, they're still not ready to make a, a formal decision yet? I think I would. I think I would say that that definitely speaks well to kind of whatever Ryan has been able to do, you know, behind closed doors. Obviously, we have not actually laid eyes on any of this, but it definitely sounded a lot of the rumblings you sort of heard were that, you know, Hill was in a better position. And if Helinski is making it a battle, that says a lot about how much catch-up he's been able to play, a lot about sort of where he is. There's a chance that some of it's just kind of, you know, social media face saving that, you know, the longer you push a QB competition, one, the better everyone feels, and two, the less likely someone is to do something rash, like, you know, transfer or whatever, and you put off sort of the discussion, all that kind of discussion that always comes with a decision. But, I mean, there's a chance that there's sort of that side of it, but I really just kind of think it sounds like Ryan made a push. It sounds like he impressed, which is good for him. He is not in a great spot in this competition simply because He's four years behind on the offense, and stylistically, he doesn't do that much that differently than a Colin Hill probably would. And he's, you know, it's not like he's switching from one RPO system to another. He's switching to an under center system, requires different footwork, 
requires a lot of catch-up, didn't get a full offseason. So the fact that he made it a battle is actually very impressive. And then we're going to get to an actual season, and if it gets played, uh, you know, there still might be some twists and turns in this one. Well, you mentioned kind of the, the non-football aspect of this or, you know, the, the, the more public-facing aspect of this battle. I mean, how much or do you think it is a possibility at all that Will Muschamp and Mike Bobo have made their decision or will make their decision and will keep it as hidden as possible just to, you know, create some confusion on Tennessee's part to hopefully get some sort of competitive edge? With how that program kind of leaks— it seems unlikely unless some of the people who are kind of dug in have basically just been, you know, threatened under loss of all behind the scenes access about revealing it. Unless that's kind of the case, I mean, it's really hard to kind of pull that off just because, you know, stuff gets out. Kids tell people, kids tell their high school coaches, kids tell their girlfriends, their girlfriends tweet it or something, you know. It's interesting unless it really is, you know, unless they're doing something to sort of fool the players themselves. Now, maybe he just kind of holds on to it. It seems like it'd be a little weird considering Mike Bobo said that they're going to try to make the decision before game prep. But I don't know. I mean, I know Missouri is trying to do that uh, with Alabama. And I know last year going into the Vanderbilt game, South Carolina didn't know who Vandy's quarterback was going to be in that cause some, you know, prep consternation, but I don't know. I, I I don't know that it makes a whole ton of difference. I mean, there's ample film on both. Obviously, I don't have the great coach's eye to see all the really minute differences of them, but frankly, you know, we're still talking about two pro-style passers. Colin Hill's a better runner, but not a great runner by any stretch. So, I don't know. I If they do it, it probably isn't going to matter, and I don't totally see them doing it, though, you know, maybe things change. Yeah, like you said, they're not that different, and they are, uh, no matter who wins, they're going to be running a Mike Bobo offense, so it's going to be stylistically pretty similar if you're if you're prepping on the other side of it. Yep. That being said, you've, uh, I think, done a couple mock depth charts and put Colin Hill at the top. What percentage confidence do you have two weeks out that Colin Hill will be the starting quarterback for South Carolina against Tennessee? 75. It probably was a little higher before this. Maybe a hint. Uh, Maybe 70. Maybe it went from 75 to 70 or 80 to 75. Again, he's still got the edge and experience, and he still seems plenty talented enough. I did think one thing that was interesting was that, and it's, it's hard to take a ton out of this, but Muschamp mentioned several times the explosive plays that Ryan made, while Bobo talked about wanting a really consistent quarterback and Muschamp believes explosive plays are kind of a a big indicator for offense and defense. And Bobo, again, hammered the consistency, and sometimes those things split a little bit. So maybe that's kind of a factor, but I don't know. I mean, I still think it's Mike Bobo's offense. He has a guy who knows how to run it and make it happen, and I still just kind of think that's where it ends. Looking elsewhere in the backfield for South Carolina, the running back position is something we've talked about on this podcast before just because of the injury to Marshawn Lloyd that took a position that already didn't have a lot of experience and made it even more unsettled. You go back to that consistency versus explosiveness debate that you you were just talking about, and Coach Bobo has said that sophomore Kevin Harris is the most consistent back 
that the Gamecocks have had. Does that mean he's starting week one, you think? Probably. I mean, they're all about approach. That's their big thing. They, you know, you, you play your practice, you get rewarded for practice. Inconsistency is a thing that drives most coaches nuts. So, you know, if they're starting to rally around that, it seems probable, or at the very least, it seems like if we ever get a game one depth chart, he'd be the guy. It's interesting because Deshaun Fenway could seem to catch Mike Bobo's eye early in camp. Not sure, you know, if that's going to extend all the way through. Rashad Amos is a guy that I think by season's end could be pretty good. But overall, you've got kind of a mix. And then uh, Zaquandra White came back from, uh, I think it was a hamstring issue that cost him a bunch of camp. And uh, Muschamp said he looked pretty good in the scrimmage. So Quandre White is a guy, another guy we've talked about in you know the run-up to this season, as an explosive athlete, a talented playmaker, someone who could who could make an impact in this backfield, especially given uh, Marshawn Lloyd's torn ACL. But as you said, uh, an injury's cost him a fair bit of practice. And given how much we're talking about the importance of preparation, practice, consistency, also that sort of thing. I mean, do you think he can make an impact week one against Tennessee if he's been missed so much prep? I do. I kind of think running back is a position where you can't necessarily exactly just throw a guy in, but it probably has, I think, some of the lesser learning curve. I mean, he's been a junior college back, which kind of requires that quick jumping in and figuring it out. And now he's here, as we said, a little bit limited, but I still think in terms of high-end playmaking, he's probably the best they got. And, you know, maybe that doesn't make him a starter, but I just kind of have to imagine he's a top-two guy at the very least. And, you know, they're, they're going to be looking for sort of that ability to kind of stretch the field with some speed because Kevin Harris and Sean Fenwick are good runners, but neither is necessarily a burner, per se. I think Amos might be the second fastest, not 100% on that. But, you know, when you don't have a Marshawn Lloyd who is going to be a big playmaking back, you just kind of need that. And I think White still provides the best uh, opportunity for that. Hey there. Like what you hear? Good news. You can help ensure the state continues making journalism you love to read, watch, and listen to. If you're more into sports than news, you'd probably like our Sports Pass membership, which gives you access to unlimited sports coverage for just $30 for the first year. Subscribe to Sports Pass at thestate.com slash sportspass. You can also read more Gamecocks news by downloading the Go Gamecocks app or by signing up for our newsletter at thestate.com slash newsletters. Thanks for supporting local journalism. Now, back to today's episode. Obviously, quarterback and running back are the position battles that have drawn the most attention, deservedly so. But there are still, it seems like, a few other unsettled spots uh, as we head into Tennessee game week. Specifically, it looks like there's there's one one last spot on the offensive line that needs to be shaken out. You've got Dylan Wanham uh, at one tackle spot. At guard, you've got uh, longtime player Sidarius Hutcherson, uh, along with Jovan Gwynn, and then Eric Douglas at center. But that other tackle spot is something that still needs to be shaken out. What's kind of the look there? What is Coach Muschamp been saying? It seems like it's kind of wider open than we really thought. For a while, Justin Turntine looked like he was going to be the dude. And since then, you know, they moved Dylan Wan to the left side. Jalen Nichols got some work. He was the backup right tackle. Ja'Kai Moore has gotten some time. He's the backup left tackle. 
Turntine, I think, has gotten work there, though we're not 100% on that. Um, and Muschamp even talked about bumping last year's starting guard, Jordan Rhodes, a younger guy, out to try some tackle, which I thought was interesting. Jordan Rhodes is still uh, getting back in shape when it comes to he opted out of the season for COVID reasons and then uh, decided to opt back in, which was kind of an interesting little move. I don't know what it says about that last tackle position. I think a lot of those guys are good, talented options. It's just, it seems a little unusual that no one technique-wise has sort of grabbed that bull by the horns. That could be an interesting one to watch. Looking back on it, uh, South Carolina has shifted. I think they've had at least two in-season starting lineup changes in the offensive tackle position. They benched uh, Malik Young for Dennis Daly in 2017, I think it was. And then a year later, they benched Blake Camper for Dylan Wanham, who's a true freshman. So I think that might be a battle that doesn't end with whoever starts uh, the opening game. And then on the other side of the ball on defense, that's a unit that seems a little more settled, all things considered. But on the back end, there's a very clear hierarchy in the secondary. You've got juniors Israel Mukwamu and JC Horn. They've been the starting corners last season. They're expected to be very high level this year. You've got the safeties in RJ Roderick and Jamie Robinson, both of whom who held down the fort last year as well. That fifth defensive back spot, which has become so important in you know today's football landscape, given the, the prevalence of three wide receiver sets, is something that's not quite as clear. Who do you think might take over that spot? Well, that's a tricky one because the question is going to be, is it going to be moving one of the two starting corners to help at safety, or is it going to be one of the other safeties finally stepping up? I think if they had their druthers, it would probably be Jalen Dickerson. He's a big mobile safety. Shiloh Sanders uh, was working with the ones at some point last week, which is interesting, but Shiloh's also a little on the smaller side, and he's also pretty young. I think if Dickerson is available, they'd probably want him to be the man. And if Sanders has enough to earn it, that would probably be good for them too. Granted, out on the corners, they have a guy like Cam Smith and John Dixon, who they apparently like. Um, and I've heard Joey Hunter's actually been pretty good at corner as well. So if that happens and they have to bump Israel Mukwamu inside, I think that might get them their most talented secondary. But it seems like they've been reticent to do too much of Izzy at safety. So I think Dickerson, again, pending health is the guy they would want to be that guy. But his health has always been kind of a a factor that's held him back pretty much every season. Last position battle I want to hit on was on special teams. They're pretty settled at kicker with Parker White uh, as a long-term starter. They're they're breaking in a new punter and freshman Kai Kroger. But at punt returner, that's that's an intriguing spot that could be, you know, impactful if you got the right guy in there. Who are they looking at? So earlier in the in the in camp, Traveris Robinson said they were really 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 trying to get J.C. Horn to be the guy there. Now, uh, after the last scrimmage, Muschamp said that Jamie Robinson took all the work there. So a little bit of mixed messaging there. It sounds like those two are really your main options, both of them very athletic, fast defensive backs, both of them pretty tough. I don't think you could go wrong with either of them, but punt returner situations are always kind of settled by who catches the ball the cleanest, who makes the best decisions, who you know, makes the right fair catches and doesn't lose a bunch of yards because he loses the ball in the sun or something. So that's a, that's a lot of approach and technique more than necessarily athletic skill once the ball actually gets in their hands. 
I think I don't I don't know they can go wrong with either of them. Both of them are kind of high usage defensive players, but South Carolina has used their be- one of their best receivers in Brian Edwards the past two years, and then before that, a really high usage defensive back in Chris Lamonts. So that one, I mean, that one can I think is going to kick around for a while longer. And it's kind of interesting. I know we were talking a little off air that it's not like this team. They have a few position battles, but it really has a lot of settled positional stuff. It's just sort of a matter of who steps up, who delivers, you know, do the currently four and five star backup defensive linemen kind of come into their own and play at starter level. And a lot of that, we just kind of have to see, you know, when the lights come on in a couple weeks. Yeah, we're now two weeks out. We we finally saw college football and the NFL return this weekend, which was, I think, a welcome if kind of bizarre feeling to see that unfold. We are hitting an interesting point that Coach Muschamp touched on in his weekly press conference in that uh, because of coronavirus and COVID-19 and contact tracing, that if any South Carolina player is deemed to be a high-risk contact, meaning they, they spend, I think it's 15 minutes within six feet of someone who is does have COVID-19, they'll have to quarantine for 14 days and they'll be out for the Tennessee game. So these next two weeks are going to be very crucial in that regard. At the moment, South Carolina has, uh, I believe Coach Muschamp said, two positive COVID cases and nine players out due to contact tracing. We've seen this weekend how contact tracing and COVID tests can can really knock out a, a team's roster. I think it was Georgia Southern was down 33 players due to a lot of different things going on. And we also saw, given the chaotic preseason, we'll say, uh, you know, there was some sloppy play out there. Do you think these next two weeks are going to be, you know, enough for South Carolina to avoid some of the sloppiness that we saw on this opening weekend? I think it can't hurt. I think they can learn a little from watching other people. But I also think that these next two weeks are going to bring them some cases. I think it's just unavoidable. They probably have, you know, they have the cases they've mentioned already and, you know, Will Muschamp is, is often a man to understate uh, his injury situation. And, uh, you know, so you have to take a little grain of salt that it might be a little more expansive than we think. So I think they'll be without some faces. And the question is going to be, who are they? What kind of situation are they in? Muschamp flat out said he's not going to announce anyone being out until right before the game. If something doesn't leak out, maybe not publicly, but behind the scenes, I would be extremely stunned. I would be somewhat stunned if Tennessee was fully caught off guard, but you know, who knows? But yeah, it's going to be it's going to be a weird season to come through cuz some of these rosters are going to get very strange missing key parts here and there. Well, that is all for this episode. We will have more as the QB battle draws to a close and maybe one of these days we'll even get a starter named and we'll also preview Tennessee coming up in the next few weeks. So, Thanks for listening, and remember to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.